Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the About to Review podcast. I'm your host, as always, that guy named John. And if this is your first time listening to the show, you can find the podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at About to Review. Subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbay, Blueberry, multitude of other sites, and you can also stream the episodes from my website, abouttoreview.com. Now, on this episode, first we're going to talk about some SIF films, the Seattle International Film Festival, and also some new films that are in theaters now. Two of my guests that are joining me on this episode, returning for a bunch of times, I honestly lost count, is Dr. Andy. Hello! And to his left is, of course, this guy named Steve. Hey, John. That beard is very slimming, I must say. And Dr. Andy, your stethoscope is shinier than ever. I was waiting for you to say something about about his beard. I was like, Andy could not shave for six months and not have anything. This is so unfair. Well, true. <laughs> the three of us uh, have gotten together many times before and talked about many, many films. And first, right off the top, we are going to be talking about a movie called Step. Now, I had the chance to interview the three stars of Step, Blessing, Corey, and Tayla, and their step coach, Coach G. So I'm going to cut to those interviews, and then we will be back right after that. All right, so I'm now sitting down with the three stars of the movie Step, Blessin, Corey, and Tayla. How are you guys? Hi. I'm good. How are you? I'm great. And you? I am doing fantastic. It is a beautiful sunny day. You guys actually came on a great weekend. Yeah, so. it's been really rainy. Yeah. Yeah, prior to us coming, I'm really enjoying Seattle. Feels good. It's mm-hmm. really clean here. Yeah, the streets Very are really clean. clean compared to like the Baltimore streets. <laughs> these are really clean. Luckily, we do not get as much snow as Baltimore, mm-hmm. and when we get like two inches of snow, the city just shuts, shuts down. down. <laughs> That's what they say about Alabama. The really? same exact thing. They're like one drop of snow, classes canceled, the university shut down, nothing's going on. Wow. All right. So now that we uh, welcome you to Seattle, you guys got in just the other day, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Around like five, four. Is it in yesterday? If your screening was at like yeah. six. Yeah, <laughs> we're pretty jet lag because we're used to East Coast time. Mm. So. And you guys just came in hot, like at five o'clock, right before the screening. Yeah. Yep, changed, went there, scarfed down some quick food, went mm-hmm. to go and talk to some of the people who get a chance to see the amazing film, step the movie. So nice, nice. What did you guys have your first meal in Seattle? Here. Oh, at the hotel. Yeah, yeah. I had grilled cheese. Oh, I had a salad. Okay. I was like, you guys are right by Pike Place Market. We were supposed to go this morning, but we were tired, so yeah. we'll go later. What brought each of you into the world of stepping? So how about we start over here? Uh, so for me, actually, I think all three of us started stepping in sixth grade. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> this is an audio started- medium, but <laughs> someone is shaking their head. <laughs> yeah, so I started stepping in sixth grade after blessing, uh, created the step team or whatever. Um, I joined step just because it seems like something that was really interesting. I never had done anything like it before, and... Typically, I'm not, like, an extrovert. I'm mm-hmm. not the person who's, like, all over the place or likes to be in front of the cameras. I don't dance. I hate to dance. But I wow. love to step. Okay. <laughs> and so it was really just um, a way for me to express myself that I never really thought about before coming to Bliss. Okay. 
Well, actually, I didn't start stepping in sixth grade. I started in ninth grade, and they had tryouts. All of my friends stepped, and I'm like, well, I wanted to do something, but I'm not sure what exactly I want to do. So I was so nervous when I tried it. I'm like, oh, my goodness, I'm not as good as y'all. I can't do it, but I actually did it, and now I have, like, 19 sisters who step with me. Nice, nice. Blessing? Step is my life. I mm-hmm. started stepping at the age of 11. Um, I fell in love with the art of stepping at a showcase at college, at a okay. campus um, in Baltimore, Morgan State University. And um, I seen people on the stage doing the art of stepping. I knew nothing about it. I became like so intrigued with what it was. I seen these people up there screaming, stomping, and clapping. I just wanted to know how to do it. Um, I went home, I taught myself how to step, and then I went to the principal, the principal at the current time at our school, hmm. and um, asked her if we could start a step team, and she said yes, and look at us now. <laughs> okay, that is amazing. So you taught yourself, was that just watching videos on YouTube, yeah. like post post that show, or just watching it? No, actually it's, it's really big, and um, black community stepping mm-hmm. um, when it comes to like HBCUs, not even HBCUs, but just campuses where the division of the Divine Nine is, sororities and fraternities. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just watched YouTube videos and taught myself how to do it. I was always intrigued by dancing, hip hop, modern. And I figured why not put Step under the belt? Nice. And especially on the East Coast, Step is way bigger than it is on the West Coast. Mm-hmm. So growing up, I would go to Step shows. We went to stuff at WSU, at University of Oregon. So, but they were nothing like it is on the East Coast. So, Taylor. Yes. When you first started, was it just with your friends, you saw them doing it? Or what was your exposure to it that very first time? Well, I was like, okay, I was exposed to it in sixth grade when they started it, but I didn't join until the ninth grade. Oh, okay. So, I would be supportive. I would go to their shows and all that. And at first, when I seen them stepping, it was sixth grade Western High School on the third floor. <laughs> and I was in... Um, practice for the debate club because in the time in sixth grade I was on a debate team nice. and I heard this stomping and I heard heels and I'm like why are they doing this stuff in little black heels kidney heels like this is weird what are they doing so then they were stepping and then I saw the first step show and I'm like whoa like I like this this looks like something that I would want to do so when the time came in ninth grade because they took step away and then they brought it back so then that's when I thought I should join it and not only be a supporter but be on the team yeah and the the memory you're talking about that was actually our first competition well our first showcase it was our first performance ever ever, ever. at Morgan's yeah <laughs> and, and, um, and we did pretty good but the first time we actually went to like place for something we were mm-hmm. competing against college students and it was a in talent showcase yeah. to raise awareness for HIV. And um, we did so well, we placed first. Yeah, we placed first at a college <laughs> showcase, which was, made us really cocky. We were really excited mm-hmm. to tackle everything following that performance. So. Nice. Corey, what about you? For, first, ex- first exposure to stepping, was it also that same time frame? Yeah, um, I think just tryouts. Yeah, so... Um, I, I found out that we were hosting tryouts at the school, and I just showed up, you know. And once I like, tried out and I actually made the team, I was just really excited about it, and I never really looked back. <laughs> okay, yeah. excellent. What does stepping mean to to each of you? What does it mean to you, Corey? Um, for me, stepping is, like I said, really just a way to express myself. Um, any other way that I use to express myself, it's like not, it's silent 
medium. So I like to write. Um, I like to write poetry sometimes, or just like journal. And I'm actually looking to write a blog um, in the near future. Okay. But really, stepping is the only way that I really express myself outwardly for other people to see. Nice. Well, step to me is a stress reliever because you go through so much stuff and you just want to have an outlet where you can do something that you really enjoy. So I enjoy performing. I enjoy practice, although it may not seem like I enjoy practice because I'm like nag and yell and be tired. Right. She's so mean in practice. Oh, wow. I am not mean in practice. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but anyway, I really enjoy step and I really like performing. I think performing is the best part. Like, I hate looking a mess, so I might, okay, I might be mean in practice. But when we get on stage, it's Remember, just this, so this nice. Remember, this is on wax. So, you know, it is on record that you might be mean on practice. I might. <laughs> then catch me on a good day. I'll be nice. But any other day, just a little attitude. Okay. They yeah. call me Little Miss Attitude. They really do. <laughs> Competing is definitely my favorite part. Um, I don't know. So I'm usually like timid and I'm quiet, but as soon as we hit the stage, I like forget about all of that. And I don't know, it's just a, like, don't you know Beyonce and Sasha Fierce? Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. we all have a Sasha Fierce that comes yeah. out when we perform. Nice. Um, for me, step is a culture. It's therapeutic. It's a way that I express myself again. Um, it's a stress reliever. It's what I'm accustomed to. It's what I use as a resource to let out frustration, anger. Um, motivation it's a it's a it's a also a positive outlet for me as well um and again my favorite part is performing mm-hmm. um I, I feel like i'm a walking showcase i'm very <laughs> extravagant i'm extra um i like to talk to people i like to dance walking down the street you can catch me stepping in the kitchen so mm-hmm. when i actually get an audience an actual audience it's just i take advantage of that opportunity and it, it just fills me up with energy and um I, i'm pretty fearless when i'm on the stage it's, it's a great feeling nice and then last question. So outside of a movie called Stomp the Yard, a lot of people still do not know what stepping is. What are three words for people who do not know what stepping is? Three words that you would use to describe it, Plesson? Step is life. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But aside from that, I would <laughs> say culture. Uh-huh, culture. Um, rhythmatic. Okay. And precision. Okay. You have nice. to be precise and smooth. All right. Next. I was, Corey can go. <laughs> Corey. Um, I would say discipline. Okay. Definitely. Um, it takes a lot of discipline. Like when the coach steps out for the team to continue practicing and not just all sit down till she gets back. Mm-hmm. Uh, it takes discipline um, to kind of put your frustration or your anger aside and really think about the bigger picture and why you're practicing and just really envision what you want to look like on the stage. Envision yourself like holding that first place trophy. Teamwork, for okay. sure, is definitely a team effort. If one person looks bad, the entire team can look bad. You know, like everybody has to be working together doing the same thing. If one person's arm isn't at the same angle, then that messes up the picture, you know. I would say sisterhood and teamwork definitely go hand in hand. Um, we, also, we always have to be there to remind each other and to hold each other accountable for our actions yeah excellent okay i'm ready all right perfection Mm -hmm. determination Mm -hmm. and cooperation perfect save the best for last and then last thing social media where can people follow you around the table 
Go for it, Corey. I'm Corey, and you can follow me on Instagram at JustCoreyG and find the rest of my uh, social media handles there. Excellent. On social media, you can, well, you can just type in my name, Taylor Solomon, T-A-Y-L-A-S-O-L-O-M-O-N, and that's for Instagram and Twitter. And my username for Snapchat and Twitter and Instagram is N-O-T-M-Y-F-O-R underscore T-A-Y. All right. Blessing. I have the same username for all of my channels, nice. YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, Blessing Giraldo at B-L-E-S-S-I-N-G-I-R-A-L-D-O. Excellent. Well, thank you, all three of you. The film was fantastic. Thank, thank you, you so for much. having us. All right. Talk to you later. I have the pleasure to now sit down with Coach G from the movie Step. How are you, Coach? I am great. How are you? I'm doing great as well. We have a fantastic day here. It's because the step girls are here. <laughs> they brought it with them? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Excellent. So you were, you have been coaching these girls for, was it just last year that we saw in the film? Or has it been a longer process that you have been coaching these girls? So um, I actually got hired fall 2015. One of the associate producers on the film, Lucia Hamilton, scouted and hired me. Mm -hmm. Um, She knew a sorority sister of mine and needed a step coach for the school. And Mm -hmm. my sorority sister was impressed with what I was doing with my sorority and as as it relates to step and, you know, sorority work. So she scouted and hired me. And that was my first coaching position fall 2015, I was hired for the first time ever as a step coach. <laughs> and you did you have any prior coaching experience? No prior coaching experience. I have over 15 years of step experience. I've been stepping since I was 11 years old. I was on a wow. step team, self-esteem enhancement, SEE step team in middle school. Are they school. still active? No, they're not still active. Oh, okay. Yeah. They were active for a very long time, though, after I left. Um, but one of the founders of the team one of the coaches he got fell ill and mm. kind of fell apart okay there. so that was middle school and then you're still involved in high school mm-hmm. and college. so all the way through middle school halfway through high school I did step and then I transitioned to dance and then college I pledged a sorority and I was a stepmaster in the sorority to a lot of people who might not know the world of stepping those like there are a lot of people who have never been to a step show mm-hmm. uh, I was fortunate that I started going to them early in uh, life here on the West Coast, and again, very different than on the East Coast. Absolutely, and then it's even more different down South. Oh, I bet. Yeah, it's a different ball game. So if you could use three words to describe what stepping is to people who might not have any idea, what would those three words be? Traditional. Okay. Um, electrifying. Mm. And whole body. Whole body. Yes. <laughs> I will give you that one. Technically, you know, <laughs> we, we could put a hyphen Dash. in there. <laughs> yes. So you, you have to use your entire body to step. And, um, you know, it's percussion. That's another word with your body. And you use your whole body from facial expressions to stomping your feet, clapping your hands, slapping all parts of your body. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's a traditional form in the African-American community. So and it's electrifying because no matter how good or bad you are in whosoever in whomever's eyes, the performance is amazing. It's electrifying to see mm-hmm. someone that art form is just amazing. The movie was fantastic, and it really kind of had that that spirit 
of step. So and one of the quotes, and I will kind of modify it, is that he who teaches is twice taught. So in this case, she who teaches is twice taught on this film during this whole process. What was something you learned? Well, one, I want to say that regardless if the cameras were there or not, that's what we would be doing. Mm -hmm. We would be um, stepping. I would be teaching those lessons. And to be honest, you are absolutely right. They've taught me more than I have ever taught them. Um, all of the things that I had goals on teaching them were made, but I would have never imagined that they would be teaching me how to be a mother and a nurture and um, how to foster an environment with 19 girls, mm -hmm. how to excel when you are the leader of young women who have mothers and fathers and families. And um, they, they've just taught me so much. And it, more importantly, nurture and, and how to love someone that's not even your own child because now I have 19 stepdaughters that mm -hmm. I completely mm -hmm. love and guiding them. They've taught me how to be a better mentor. Um, mentoring is something that I really believe that everyone should do in their own right. Whatever you're good at and whatever your gift to the world is, you should absolutely share that with someone because you're going to reach at least one girl. But they have taught me that I can expand my style of mentoring all over the world. And um, they've challenged me in ways that... <laughs> Wait, high schoolers are challenging? What? Oh, yes. <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> so not only just high schoolers, girls who've been together since sixth grade, mm -hmm. and they started the step team. Mm -hmm. An adult didn't come in and show them. They started it. So, um, and with that being said... You know, I had big shoes to fill. Their step coaches in the past were awesome choreographers mm -hmm. and great with discipline and all those things. The sisterhood of step is just so impactful to them. They had high expectations. So, you know, I had to give them that, those mm -hmm. expectations. Excellent. One of the things you said at the Q&A mm -hmm. following the screening last night, going back to what you're saying about, you know, give that gift. You talked about sewing something mm -hmm. into someone. Mm-hmm. And there was a scene in the movie where you were physically doing it. Looks like you're sewing yes. up a costume. Yes, right before, I was. <laughs> right before a show. And I, but I know that you meant that in such a broader mm -hmm. sense, you mm -hmm. know, about mentorship. And yes. whatever that gift that somebody has, put it out there. What was, who were some people in your life that kind of first fostered that, that first put that message into you? My parents, of course. My grandmother, who taught me the importance of owning things and mm. home ownership and owning your car and credit and financial responsibility. Um, so the, the, that's one of the most important people. My coaches, um, as I mentioned, I was on a step team. My mm -hmm. coach, Mr. Sims, he taught me how to be a part of a team and lead, but still be humble. My mm. dance coach, Miss A, taught me etiquette and how to be a lady and how to handle situations with grace and conflict resolution and how to excel as a boss because that's exactly what she is. <laughs> mm -hmm. And, you know, she taught me how to lead fearfully. I'm sorry, fearlessly. <laughs> fearfully. <laughs> right. But, yeah, she taught me how to lead fearlessly and instill confidence in me that I never knew I had. And that is the gift. Those are the gifts mm -hmm. that you want to imbue to not just these girls, but that next generation. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I want them to remember all of their mentors, Miss Dofe, myself, Miss Hall, 
um, Brenda Brown Reaver, Amanda Lippitz, their mothers, and pay it forward. Mm-hmm. Give back in some way. Tell someone that you messed up. Because that's important. Mm-hmm. Everyone wants to tell the Cinderella story. This is not a movie. This is their real lives in a documentary. Mm-hmm. And their lives are going on. And they are facing struggles still. I am facing struggles still. So to be truthful and honest about the things that you're going through, that's important. And there is a moment in the film where you tell one of the characters kind of about your story and your struggles when you were her age. And, I mean, every, every teenager, every kid you know, has that moment, whether it is a parent or whatever, just like, you are never my age, mm-hmm. that type of thing. But you broke it down and you were like, I get it. Mm-hmm. I understand. These are the things that I went through. And it was one of the best moments in the film for me because the character that you were talking to, the person you were talking to, there was that moment there was like where she said, and I don't want to say who it is. People should go see the movie mm-hmm. where she said, she was like, I had no idea, mm-hmm. you know, that you went through that also she definitely didn't um and the reason why she was so surprised is we had just finished a step showcase at my alma mater where i graduated college and the impact of me going back to college and bringing my step team literally they were like oh my gosh coach what did you do here that everyone loves you so much you you are you know a pioneer on the campus how did you do this so she actually in essence wanted she constantly was like I want to do what you're doing you did all that you know she Mm -hmm. said those things but she was saying that how how did you get back like how did you make it look so pretty (laughs) like you know Mm. and I'm like it wasn't I dropped (laughs) out I messed up Mm -hmm. I failed classes I I messed up in so many different ways but what I want you to do is learn from my mistakes but if you do mess up, it's never too late. So don't be me. Be better than me. That's one of, you know, they always mm. say, I want to be like you. No, be better than me. Because if I didn't have those people pulling me up, then I wouldn't be who I am today, which is why I'm pulling you past me. Hmm. That is incredible. And like you said, this is real. You know, this is not, I kept saying character because we we're used to seeing characters on mm-hmm. screen. This is real life. Absolutely. So that was something that made it even more powerful. Absolutely. Like I said, whether the cameras were rolling or not, step practice would be rolling, sitting in the wall would have been happening. Um, you know, <laughs> Which, that mo- <laughs> so tell people about kind of that moment in the film. Was that a, a coaching method? We will say that, that was used against you, we will say. <laughs> so that actually was not just a coaching method. It was to get them together physically and Mm -hmm. then to show some reflection as a team at the time. It was right before we competed in a competition and they weren't really reflecting what a winning team should be. Mm. And you want to win, but you are acting as an individual when you need the entire team to win. Mm -hmm. So um, physically they were kind of slacking and then I was working three jobs. So I just came from two full-time jobs and I came to work step practice mm-hmm. and they were like on their phones and messing around. And I'm like, oh, no, you guys are going to get it together. You guys like, why haven't you told her to get off your phone? Why haven't you led the team to work out? What is going on? What is the issue? So I had to reinforce teamwork, mm-hmm. um, physical health mm-hmm. and just bringing them together as a team because as one suffers, someone else has to pick up the other person's slack. And that's why when you win in the end, it's so much better. Or if you lose in the end, it Mm -hmm. it feels better because you're together as a team and you can't blame it on one person. Mm -hmm. So the, cause the scene that we are talking about, anybody who has taken 
a PE class or mm-hmm. had a coach that did this, wall sits are the bane of a lot of people's <laughs> existence. So when I'm watching this film, and as soon as you called it out and you're like, all right, everybody on the wall. And I was like, oh, man, because I've had to do that yeah. way too many times in my life. Well, I'll say this. I'm still currently a step coach at the school. Mm-hmm. The new team did not have to sit the wall. So Really? <laughs> yes. Yeah, so they get it. And it's it's a tactic that you really have to pull out when it's not just getting the team physically mm-hmm. fit. Because, you know, you do have to be physically fit to step. It's, it's a oh, sport. Ab- absolutely. But step is not just about step. For mm-hmm. me, it's life skills. It's the whole girl. It's teamwork. It's physical and mental health. It's everything. Step is life. <laughs> mm-hmm. And those are things that you learned from back then from Step. Absolutely. That have developed into your personal life, your professional life. Absolutely. Just your whole Absolutely. being. Absolutely. Discipline, integrity, sisterhood, and having respect for other people and their time. Because, you know, mm. though... You know, I had my own personal things going on as an adult, working two jobs and having to come there. I was still on time and in good spirits. You don't know what I went through that day, just Mm -hmm. as I don't know what you went through that day. But the difference is we all knew and realized we all have struggles. But I need you to understand that if we don't work together, none of this is going to be worth getting through. Mm -hmm. To get through something by yourself is one thing, but, but to get through something with people who really love and support you is something totally different so we're going to get through sitting on this wall first (laughs) so that's what I need to show you the small picture so when the bigger picture which is you know going to college and Mm -hmm. and graduating high school and having families and all of those big culminating events in your life are pointless without those that love you that is amazing I cannot think of another way to to end this because that, that was incredible uh, so then where can people find uh, you on social media? What are places that if people want to learn more about you, your coaching style, the current step team, where can people find that information? So the best way to get in contact with me, because my website is under construction, okay. um, is definitely my social media. My social media is Coach G, C-O-A-C-H-G, Step is Life. Mm-hmm. That's my IG. You can slide in my dms (laughs) and i'll be happy to ask any questions my goal is to definitely bring step outside of baltimore and though step is all over the world and definitely prominent in the african-american community Mm -hmm. my style of teaching step is very unique Mm -hmm. and i think that it will be appreciated because it's not just about step i want to set programs that are raising the whole girl and attending to life skills as these girls have can reflect on with my mm-hmm. program. So all 19 girls can reflect on a lesson from my step program. So I'm absolutely going to have the site up sooner than later, mm-hmm. but the launch will be available on my social media at coach G step is life. Excellent. Thank you so much for, for taking the time and sitting down with me. You're an amazing coach, an amazing person. Thank you. My biggest goal is to, well, my small term goal was absolutely to just reach one. And now I've reached 19. And now prayerfully, you know, so many people around the world will see this movie. Mm -hmm. And not only children will be inspired, but adults will be inspired to reach back and pay it forward. Absolutely. Thank you again, Coach G. No problem. All right, so thank you again 
to Blessin, Corey, and Taylor and Coach G for taking the time to sit down with me. Uh, I am officially embargoed from giving a full review until this film comes out in August. But I can say this uh, in my very capsulated review. This no film, spoilers. I know. This film was incredible. Um, this film is just all about determination, perseverance, and sisterhood. And just it goes into so many personal details. And all of the people in this documentary really opened themselves up. And Andy, you and I have talked about this before with documentaries. You have to feel for the characters. You have to really get that sense that these are real people going through real mm -hmm. things. This movie nails it. So I highly recommend Step, which is getting a limited release in August through Fox Searchlight. And then hopefully Seattle gets it mid to late August. It sounds like the kind of movie that will get uh, a great reception in certainly in art house kind of towns mm -hmm. and hopefully in, we're with a, uh, a wide audience. Yeah, for sure. And it actually because it premiered at Sundance this year mm -hmm. and really, really took Sundance by storm. The award that it won at Sundance, uh, it won the special jury prize in the documentary category. And I have to give credit, of course, to Amanda Lippitz, who is the director. She is fantastic. And again, she talked about this at the Q&A, and so did Coach G. This story would have happened anyway. It just happened to be that Amanda and everybody got involved to tell us the story. So it was incredible. Definitely, definitely uh, recommend that. So that is Step. Now we're moving on to another Sif movie that all three of us have seen. Uh, we just watched it uh, <laughs> oh last night. The movie is called Bad Black mm -hmm, from mm -hmm. Uganda. Uh, oh, and also Step uh, takes place. I mean, I kind of talked about it a little bit, but three high school girls in Baltimore competing in a step competition. So I forgot to mention that before we, I introduce this next one. So Bad Black from Uganda. Uh, who wants to take the <laughs> reins on this one? <laughs> well, can I, I, I'm, I'm going to start off by, I mean, that you can look at this film in from two completely different sides depending on how you want to look at it i mean for, you can start off with um you've never seen any film i mean unless you you live in um, uganda or maybe some other parts of africa you've never seen a film like this before mm -hmm. but on the flip side of that if you have ever worked on a no budget film <laughs> you have seen yep. exactly this film before um you i mean uh, the sto storyline uh uh give a little more wow. so, <laughs> so. introduce introduce to your listeners the way you introduced this film you know tell me about the budget tell me a little bit about how it was made and and also uh the interesting uh detail you mentioned about the announcer so to speak mm -hmm. so bad black like i said is a, is a film from uganda and Uganda has kind of a burgeoning film industry in Uganda. Gondawood. Uh, Wakaliwood. Ah, Wakaliwood. Wa That's Wakaliwood. right. Yeah, I know. That, again, none of us really know about unless you are a deep, deep indie file who, you know, finds all these things. This is the first exposure a lot of people are going to get to a film that is just so unique. And like Andy said, you have never and you will never see a film like this it is incredibly unique so uh, it comes from the director nabwana igg who is a huge just action film buff 
And you have to keep in mind, a lot of the things that we export as a country, as America, are movies. So what will happen is some of these countries will get movies without subtitles. And sometimes people might not know that much English. And so what you will have is a VJ, a live video jockey, <laughs> talking about the movie as the movie is going on. <laughs> John is describing the movie. Hey, hey. So what would happen? John the Van Damme of Seattle. <laughs> so yeah, basically, like imagine, yeah, this podcast. I'm talking about the movie. Very good podcast. And that keeps happening. Super like podcast. It is incredible. Uh, but what makes this film interesting John, is good voice. This is <laughs> this is a Ugandan film that does that same thing. And Nabwana IGG is definitely pioneering this. <laughs> film style super tucker uh, <laughs> but the general uh gist of this movie the actual description is a mild-mannered doctor is trained in the art of ass-kicking commando vengeance by a no-nonsense ghetto kid named wesley snipes <laughs> oh, that's part of it yeah yeah i mean they leave out but the story is so much more than that so much Steve. more well they layers leave, they leave out why he wanted vengeance they leave out the person who was really the driving force I, and I, the name yeah, I think the main character of the film. is missing from that description is that is that yeah. just the imdb this is just the imdb oh, okay. description yeah. all right um bad imdb <laughs> and so with nabwana igg he has actually produced what does the 40... igg stand for john uh, Godfrey, I actually looked that up the other day. Um, okay, these are Nab actual words. Yes, Nabwana Isaac Godfrey Jeffrey. So, oh. IGG. <laughs> but this took them a long time, I'm sure. I mean, as someone, Andy, who's been in small budget films, it still oh. takes a lot of time and setup to do even a simple story like yeah. this. I mean, well, I mean, that's the thing. Like, I mean, I think you uh, referred to it. I don't know if John mentioned it, but I mean, sort of on, on, on IMDb, it's saying that it had a budget of 65, I'm assuming US dollars. Yeah. And that is actually not even on IMDb. That is kind of like a inside baseball okay. type so, thing. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, even if we account for the fact that things are going to be a lot cheaper in Uganda, mm -hmm. yeah, the amount of time that they had to spend on setting this up, telling the actors what to do, I'm assuming there was some kind of a script involved in this somewhere. Mm -hmm. and, <laughs> so, but more, more than that, I mean, sort of the camera and the editing, and they had special effects. I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, the, let's, it's, it's no surprise or it's no spoiler to say there is a lot of, let's call it, I've got uh, my fingers in the air here, mm -hmm. yeah. blood and uh, gunshots <laughs> and explosions. All three have quotes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> or, yeah, they all have air quotes. Um, and these are, not, these are not real gunshots or blood or explosions. These are mm -hmm. put on in, in post-production. Um, and you, you, you do have to wonder, how do they get away with that? I mean, if this $65 is, is not apocryphal, if it, you know, it, no, it, maybe it, it was is like true. $600, <laughs> you know, even then, it's just, it is pretty amazing what that they managed to do and, and the amount of work that they had to put in. Because, yeah, you're absolutely right, Steve. Doing a production like this takes would take weekends of work just for the mm -hmm. acting, just for the shooting, let alone all the other stuff that's involved. Yeah, mm -hmm. one of the, the last film festival that Dr. Andy and I covered, the 50-hour slam, you know, people had 50 hours to make a movie. Some of them have, you know, a budget of a couple hundred dollars to rent a nice camera, to do all of that, to do a feature length movie. Because I just think this is one hour and eight minutes, 68 minute film, $65. That is less than a less than a dollar a minute is is crazy. <laughs> and it's it's easy to make fun of it, I suppose. But 
I mean, they really did make an effort to have a, a, a cohesive story throughout mm-hmm. it all. Near the end, they try to wrap up the beginning and stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not a complete train wreck. I've seen worse movies where you literally have no idea what's going on. Right. But there yeah, are family connections that run through, mm-hmm. and there's motivations for the characters. Twists and turns, for sure. Yeah. There are narrative but, arc. There is a narrative arc. Mm-hmm. For sure, yeah. I think there are about six narrative arcs. <laughs> yeah, Some okay. of them arc into each other. <laughs> yeah. But Some you know, inverse arcs sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's the role of that announcer, though, where he's making fun of it a little bit, but mm-hmm. he is really helping you... <laughs> understand yep. the movie as well uh and that uh, just really imagine added something to like blade it. Yeah. runner without the voiceover i mean could you imagine it yeah 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 um but no i mean that is a that is a good point to have a narrator because this is subtitled um but to have a narrator who you're reading the subtitles but he does kind of give you a little bit more than what the subtitles are saying and yeah but in a hilarious way it is very mystery science theater 3000 esque in the sense of he is giving information but also kind of making fun of it kind of throwing in his own you know jabs but it all makes sense within the context of the film yeah so i wonder in uh when it's shown originally in uganda whether Mm -hmm. there are subtitles at all i would think not uh because he actually um i was reading about it so he films in in one of the largest uh tribal dialects of uganda uh, so he grew up in basically where this film was shot. So like he knows this life. And so, yeah, so I doubt they would have subtitles, but yeah, who, who knows? Yeah. Cause I mean, that's one of the, one of the slightly confusing things about this is that you, when you're watching it in America, you, you have two sets of subtitles, one right. other subtitles that belong to what the characters are saying in the film. And the other are basically what the narrator is, <laughs> is saying, mm-hmm. um, which is, is, is good. It's yeah. good. I mean, it reminded it's me, confusing. it reminded me a little bit of the old, like Shaw brothers, Kung Fu films where growing up when I was watching those and collecting them on VHS, kids ask your parents what VHS is, uh, they would be dubbed in English badly. And everybody has seen like the horrible dubbed. But what happened is underneath, they would be in English subtitles that never matched what the actual dubbing was. Plus you would have usually, you know, katakana, you know, and different Japanese and Chinese dialect characters <laughs> underneath that so somebody was taking just the raw translation to do the english subtitles that never matched the dubbing so having two sets of subtitles definitely took a little getting used to luckily the announcer is very vocal very dynamic in what he is saying so it was easy to follow for the most part even though it was super over the top super over the top over the top yeah yeah there's some good action in this movie, honestly. Yeah. There's some good fighting scenes. The guy in the white jacket, especially, he mm-hmm. had some skills. Yeah. Well, and but one of the things I really liked about this uh, is if you are around a bunch of guys and you're making a film and Nabwana uh, IDG has produced 44 films in Uganda since 2015. Wow. <laughs> so you're around the same group of people a lot of the time. If you know your buddy can do a flip... That guy is doing flips yeah. in the movie. <laughs> right. That so, one a, unmotivated flip. You're like, you're getting, you're getting here, whatsoever. Yeah. Literally in the middle of a chase sequence, running through an alley, <laughs> the guy just stops, does a front flip, and keeps running. So, because he can. Yeah. And that was a skill that he brought to set. Right. And you know when they're watching this in that town, when they have the premiere showing of it, everybody's mm-hmm. going nuts every time that guy does that one. Yeah. yeah you just... 
I one of the things that was also interesting is the very kind of James Bond style opening where there's this huge action set piece that there but the difference was there were about like three different James Bond intros and I was not quite sure what was happening apparently in it in doing my research like a good member of the press some of what we saw in the beginning of this movie is from his other movie who killed captain alex ah mm, i thought it was part of it. this movie but i was like what is happening and so the, the vj you know in this the announcer narrator is like oh there's captain alex oh he's dead who killed captain alex and you're like what and it is right in the beginning my advice for movies like this just let it happen just get in just let yourself be immersed in the movie and in the storytelling and just go with it Okay, so one thing uh, we should uh, we should warn the, uh, the the potential watcher is do not go into this with Hollywood level of production values on, on mind um, because you, you may be you may be disappointed. You you gotta watch this with a very 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 open mind. Absolutely. Just keep in mind this is a a, a nascent uh, film industry with no budget whatsoever, and and just watch it through that kind of lens. For sure. And even through all of that, my biggest takeaway, the passion and exuberance that everybody involved in this film had, they loved being part of this process. Nobody phones it in. Everybody is giving 100%. There, like, was, there was actually some really decent acting mm-hmm. in there. Some from children. Yeah, no, I think some I was children were some of the best actors. I mean, I got the nasty feeling that some of the uh, the... Uh, let's say light uh, corporal punishment that was being dealt out on the children mm-hmm. was was actual. <laughs> there was no faking going on with yeah. some of these slaps and stuff. So I'm not surprised that the the kids were able to uh, summon up some tears and stuff. I'm not again not sure that this would work <laughs> out in your honor. <laughs> and that is another thing to keep in mind because as we're watching it, the tense moments in this movie are tense. The funny moments are funny. The action movies are action moments. There's a lot of action, but the tense moments were yeah. A kid is kind of getting right. beaten up by an adult. Like mm-hmm. there is kind of that like knee jerk reaction of like mainly because of and again we're looking at it through the lens of <laughs> one kid gets shot, John. <laughs> okay, yes, true. But um, well, and we're looking there's at no, it, there's I'm no sure blood. That kid was not but... actually shot though. <laughs> but looking through through the lens of Hollywood and even independent films, the just watching this it was just different. So I, I that is good to bring up, Andy, because. Yeah, it uh, it can be pretty intense in moments. Um, yeah, yeah, if you're especially sensitive to violence against children or violence against women, then yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. But yeah. I mean, it's nobody not... cares about men, do they? Oh my gosh! In the first ten minutes, I I should put it out there as a as a guess. How many people do you think were shot and killed? Well, quote unquote killed. I think at least thirty in the first. 10 minutes yeah. they had to recycle some of their but extras, that was, i think i think if yeah i noticed that a couple <laughs> times if you're noticing like one of the guys has like, a couple different jackets and maybe some different facial hair sure you're like i'm pretty sure i've seen you die three times already yeah but again 65 dollar budget well i'll say this for it too the editing is pretty good yeah and because uh yeah. Yeah. i think one thing that low budget films or first time i mean they're not first time apparently mm-hmm. they've made a lot of films but they tend to make the edits just a beat too long. Interesting. Yeah. The, the cuts. And this one, there's a lot of fast cuts, some too fast. Yeah. But uh, especially when you're cutting to someone's face and you're cutting away, <laughs> you know what I mean? But uh, 
you know, they would rival any Michael Bay film as far as, you know, fast cuts and, and, uh, lots of action going on. So, uh, and in the dramatic scenes, for lack of a better word, uh, they move quick enough that I didn't get, um, eye rolly, you know what Mm -hmm. I mean? I didn't get bored by them. Uh, so, uh, kudos to the editor for sure. Well, and that is the other thing is Nabwana does kind of everything. I mean, he writes, directs, produces, edits. He is a one-man film studio. And actually, uh, Ramon Film Productions is his company named after his grandma's. Like, so it, Is he in the film? Is I, he Schwarzenegger? I mean, Schwarz. 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 <laughs> Van Damme. Uh, I do not think he is, no. Okay. Uh, he is not, you know, like a so M. Night Shyamalan. Let go, of, let go of some of the reins of power in this. Right. Yeah. Or need John, to are himself. you commando? Just, oh, Command- yeah. Super commando. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so yeah, I, I can recommend this movie to, to almost anybody if they go into it with an open mind. So anything anything else before we, we give our ratings? I don't think for- I, I don't think I'd recommend it to everybody. I think I'd recommend this to, to film people. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. If, I, I mean, yeah, no, sorry. I, yeah, okay. I, I will add, I would recommend this to anybody as long as they're willing to give it a shot. So... It was cool to see a little bit of Uganda and Ugandans. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I learned anything, but you know, there's there, a little there's slice a lot of, of yeah. I was like, there's I learned never go in the water yeah. and never wear white pants in Uganda. Yeah, if you're wearing white pants, you're asking for trouble. <laughs> Even if you're a doctor, don't do it. Yeah, uh, and that guy actually, the doctor, uh, Alan Hoffmanis, uh, he is an American guy who has like been a film coordinator, different film festivals, now lives in Uganda and has been a producer with Nabwana IDG on a couple other projects. They actually, he produced a documentary about Walk Hollywood that I actually really want to see. I just found out about it. So I just, I want to know more about this industry and I want to see what else comes from Uganda because this was a fascinating kind of look into that world. So uh, there we go. That was Bad Black uh, to the rating system. We're going to rate it. Of course we are. Ah, all right. Um, Okay. So as for... Everything uh, that we rate on this podcast, there are three choices, if this is your first time listening. The three choices are good, bad, or ugly. A good film is something that you enjoyed. A bad film was something that you're not super over the moon about, but it was all right. Ugly film, avoid at all costs. So for Bad Black from Uganda, which is being released... Well, it's going to be in your local theater soon. Hopefully. (laughs) Um... (laughs) Hopefully, it had a uh, talk about no. limited release. Yeah. This one had a very, very limited release, but it definitely is making the festival Where's the circuits. The largest Ugandan expatriate population in the United States. <laughs> it is going to be a big hit. It could uh, be in there. your. It could be in your art house cinema in your. Yeah, town. Like, yeah, like I said, it is making the festival circuit. Usually, when a film like that makes the festival circuit, somebody will pick it up, even if they only hold it for a couple weeks. So, good, bad, or ugly, Doctor Andy for Bad Black. <laughs> 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 is it good black ugly black uh, or bad black uh, I, yeah well with that with that caveat that i said before that this is not a film for everybody this is a film for people who love uh watching film uh, mm-hmm. i i would give it a good on that basis okay fair enough totally fair steve piggybacking off or af dr andy's <laughs> off uh his Super caveat speaker. yeah <laughs> uh you have to judge a film 
based off of did they achieve what they wanted to achieve and you have to sometimes guess at what that was uh but in this case yeah i think they achieved what they wanted to achieve which was to make a uh local enthusiastic uh action film Mm -hmm. uh and they did it yeah good yeah go see it if you want to see a slice of uh the ugandan film industry yeah walk hollywood thank you yeah walk hollywood uh i mean yeah for me this is just no holds barred passionate filmmaking so i have to give it a good because again not only a good in the context of being a cinephile and being whatever like steve said the editing in this yeah the cuts are a little bit kind of random and unless without that narrator i think those cuts would be a little confusing yeah it still takes a lot of time to put something like this together so the narrator made it for me. Yeah. You know, it actually kind of reminded me of a documentary about some kids that were trying to remake Indiana Jones. Oh, yeah. Shot for shot. Shot for shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And they did really creative things with mm-hmm. just whatever they had around. I would have liked to see them do some more creative special effects shots just with what they have around and not the After Effects starter pack of gunshots right. and explosions. But, hey. Yeah. Uh, the other thing also with this movie is we get a taste in the beginning and at the end of the movie of behind the scenes which I also thought was really interesting before the movie even starts. You see them kind of joking around on set with a green screen that is literally draped over just a stack of bricks. Um, that was really cool in the beginning and you get more of it at the end. Mm-hmm. I want to see that documentary uh, walk Hollywood, the documentary. So I will try and find that um, so we can check it out. I'm just to, uh, as things we're doing piggybacking here, I'm mm-hmm. piggybacking on your comment. About, All right. Uh, <clears throat> yeah. The, the uh, narrator making it, yeah, I, I, without the narrator, I think this would have been practically unwatchable. For sure. <laughs> With the narrator, it's fun. It mm-hmm. is fun. Cool. Uh, and then Andy, speaking of uh, interesting Sif movies, you yeah. saw one recently. Tell me about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw a German movie <laughs> called uh, Die Blumen von Gestern. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, in German, that means as... a whale's... Uh, no, just... <laughs> <laughs> the blooms of yesterday. Um, director Chris Krause. Uh, is a, a... Uh, did he make you want to jump jump? Oh, my God. Uh... Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh... Someone stop him. Um, yeah, no, this is an interesting romantic comedy drama i would say i mean sort of germans are not known for <laughs> their fantastic sense of humor i know that's that's a bit of a stereotype yeah, yeah. uh but they've been they've been making efforts they've been making efforts <laughs> to be funny you had uh, last year the uh, oscar nominated tony erdman mm-hmm. uh and and now we have a film like uh uh die blumen von gestern um okay germans when when you do comedy uh, with drama and stuff, try not to so so manically go from uh, comedy into the drama, into the mm. comedy, into the drama, into the comedy, into the drama. Uh, there was not really a flow. It was just kind of sharp. Yeah, my my head was kind of like like almost spinning from okay, are we? Is this going to be kind of like a, a, a an amusing uh, part or not? I mean, because sections of this were were like uh, a. a farce a, a black hmm. farce of, of some sorts and um, i mean yeah i guess it was a black farce in in some ways i mean the basis of the story am i allowed to talk about anything about the story i can't even remember if uh, I, so yeah sp- i think you can talk yeah, about that one heck? um so i mean the, it's, it's a simple premise um a a assistant director of a holocaust um studying institute 
Um, he uh, has a new intern, and sort of uh, chaos ensues with hmm. uh, with this intern. Um, it, at turns, it was it was genuinely very very funny. Okay. Um, and then it would sink into uh, into the drama, into the pathos of you know it's the Holocaust we're talking about, and you know Germans don't do. Is a this lot a of period piece? No, no, no. This oh, is set okay. in, in, in modern times. Okay. So I mean, sort of yeah, Germans and, and Holocaust again. They they have difficulty <laughs> with their subjects as, as a rule, and adding some comedy into it again makes it I think it, more difficult than most. Um, the actors I I like both of them. The uh, the lead male actor Lars Eidinger has mm-hmm. been seen in a couple of different uh, films that people might have seen. Uh, Clouds of Sils Maria, and uh, Personal Shopper. I don't think the female lead Adele Anel. Um, has been uh, is particularly well known in America. Hmm. They they had uh, did they have chem- chemistry? I mean, in, <laughs> if you have a, a romantic comedy, the, the chemistry is essential. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this was a, definitely an odd couple, um, and and sort of like they're fighting with each other for much of the movie. Were they the same age? I ask that because in some of the German no. films, exactly some no. a lot of the German films that I have seen, the love interests. Are sometimes vastly different ages. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't like vast, but it was definitely he was a mid-career researcher, mm-hmm. and she's a sort of like a early twenties hmm. uh, research, you know, research assistant kind of thing. I, I mean, at least that's that, that's kind of how it was portrayed. Um, uh, was it definitely watchable? Yeah, it was definitely watchable. Uh, but yeah, please stop running back and forth between the comedy and drama mm-hmm. quite so frequently and quite. Quite like that, but um, yeah, no, I'd, I'd I'd watch it, and I would want to encourage the Germans with their comedy um, <laughs> to to make it funnier. Uh, for instance, um, okay. so yes, um, you, you keep at it. Uh, sehr gut, sehr gut, sehr gut. Okay, yeah. uh, good, bad, or ugly. You cannot talk about a film and not give it an official oh, rating. Oh, jeez. Um, uh, <laughs> I'll give it a good. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Uh, and the. Last of the Sif movies that we will talk about on this episode, keeping in mind that Sif is going on for another like three weeks. So I'm sure Dr. Andy and I will be talking about it quite a few more times uh, because he and I both are going to see more. I think, uh, Steve, while you are in town Mm -hmm. and slash in the country, Sif, the organization is fantastic. Uh, Pretty much any theater in Seattle, any place that has a screen is involved with Sif. That's pretty impressive. I mean, 400 films from 60 countries. It is massive. So, yeah, we will continue to talk about it. But the last one on this episode is one that I saw the midnight screening of last night. Mid, uh, not not midnight. <laughs> mm. It wasn't midnight. Meatball Machine Kodoku from Japan. Meatball Machine Kodoku. Or I think in Japanese, Kodoku comes first and then Meatball Machine. Kodoku Meatball Machine. This movie... <laughs> um... This is tough to explain. I talked about it on the first episode where Andy and I talked about the movies that we were looking forward to uh, for Sif. This was the bloodiest movie I have ever seen. And I have seen some crazy horror. This movie it was just over the top bloody. The loose storyline. And I say loose because, man. Uh, and I did not know this until I read the official synopsis. It says... A long-awaited sequel to the internationally acclaimed full-throttle splatter sci-fi action horror Meatball Machine. Mm. Um, yeah, that was huge. Okay. So, this director, uh, Yoshihiro Nishimura, 
is known for he kind of created this genre of just kind of the splatterific horror sci-fi genre in japan uh tokyo gore police was another one of his which as the title suggests super gory again this was over the top uh the loose framework is about this man who is going about his job going about his days as a debt collector uh just a traditional kind of older man doing his stuff and then aliens invade and start turning people into technoborgs is kind of what they are called these crazy crazy machines that are just horrible machinations of people and machine another thing i I mean i have to give credit to to the director this is a man who is incredibly involved he wrote it directed or he helped write it directed it he made all of the creatures that you saw in the film I do not want to be inside of that man's head. Hmm. It seems like a terrifying place. Do you get the feeling this is an indie movie, low budget movie, no. or no? This is a high budget. No, this is a high very studio high more than sixty five dollars. More than sixty five dollars. I even tried to find out what the budget was, but Japanese films do not really talk about that as much as U.S. films. So, like Box Office Mojo, obviously does not have anything about it. Well, it's probably about two billion yen. Uh, which translates roughly to four hundred dollars, <laughs> um, but no, no, this is a high budget film. This has more fake blood than you will ever see in any movie. So, like the scene in Kill Bill that everyone always talks about, where she's cutting people open and it switches back and forth to black and white to avoid kind of one of those apocryphal Hollywood tales. One of the reasons that he chose to go black and white, Quentin Tarantino, was to avoid the MPAA rating of it being NC seventeen. Another one was that um, he they ran out of fake blood. Not really sure what the real story is. This movie does not care. Hmm. They Whoever was making their fake blood has to be best friends with this director. Because they're like, what, you need how much? No problem. I mean, it was spraying out of everywhere. If somebody got a paper cut, it would just start hyper-spraying somewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, that said, it actually was really well shot. In the regular moments of just people interacting with each other and also in these crazy, violent, bloody battles that are happening between humans and technoborgs, technoborgs and technoborgs, I still have no idea what this story is. Um, (laughs) Is it one of these movies where it doesn't matter, really? It's just all about the action? Yeah. Okay. Because, yeah, being that it is a sequel, I have no idea what happened in the first one. It, oh, you it, needed to see the first ugh, It ended in a way that could lead to another one. It, I, I, I just have no idea. Um, it was it was relentless violence. But it was done well. But, uh, I mean, uh, cartoonishly watchable. I mean, would, it, would your average person be able to handle it because it, it was cartoonish? Or it was like, no. oh, God, no. I, I think a lot of people would have a very, very hard time. With this movie, just with, again, like if it is cartoonish where somebody's arm gets cut off and you see blood spray and you're like, oh, okay, whatever. This arms, legs, body part, like people would just get straight up sheared in half and blood is just fireworks or fire hydrant (laughs) out of them. So I think a lot of people. more fun if it was like fireworks. That would be amazing. (laughs) Um, I think a lot of people will have a very hard time with this. I was looking forward to it because, again, I like crazy movies. 
This is the craziest, bloodiest movie. Was it too much for you, John? No. Do you want to talk about it? Uh, it was not we'll too talk, much. We'll talk about it, it was later, just. Okay. It was intense. It was very, very intense. Yeah. Who's the audience for this movie? In Japan, do you believe? In Japan? It, oh, this is sci-fi. Old ladies. Uh, <laughs> these are huge hits. Men, everyone. Huge yeah. hits It's a huge Japan. hit in Japan? Yeah. It's big in Japan? Yeah. Ah. All of his movies are, are really big in Japan. And so, some of them uh-huh. have translated over here as well. Um, this one, I'm sure, like the audience last night. So we got there a little bit early. Uh, midnight screening. Midnight screening. So you never really know. Maybe 30 minutes before the movie, there are... 25 people online. I was like, all right, they're showing this three different times during the festival. It's like, okay, sure. People start trickling in, go in, get the popcorn, sit down. The theater was like three quarters full by the time the movie started. So Hmm. I think horror fans are going to love this. I think uh, people who really like just the -the over-the-top, splatterific sci-fi are going to like this. People who like crazy Japanese cinema are going to like this so if, if you're watching something like hostel and someone gets hostile body is... well no let me just okay. finish my thought here because if you're watching one of these horror movies where someone gets tortured or mm-hmm. you know, slowly a pin gets pushed into right. their eye or right. something like that you have that cringe reaction mm-hmm. you're like, oh, God, it's happening but in this i imagine it's so over the top and so numerous that you don't have that cringe reaction right you're just sort of it. on the yeah <laughs> right you're on the roller coaster is that the case uh for the most part, yes. Okay. There are still a couple of moments, especially when it comes to the eyes. Ah, uh, yeah, where, I have an eye thing. Yeah, where there are, like, drills going into somebody's eye. Those get a little bit... Again, like, they're over the top. It is not like Hostile, where Hostile really want... Those movies wanted to make you feel like it is real. Like, it is happening right now. That is where it gets uncomfortable. This movie, it does not want to go there. It just is happening so they're not trying to prove a point to be like, look what we can get away with. They're just like, this is a crazy movie. You know you're going to watch a crazy movie. Here you go. Is there an ending? No. Okay. Uh, <laughs> oh, I mean, there, no. is a, there is an ending and there is a meatball machine. Oh, but tasty. I have no, like, again, I do not know if that is how the first movie ended. I had no idea there was a first movie until I was doing my research on this one. Yeah. At this point with Japanese movies, I don't know if it's cultural, actually, or if it's just they don't know how to end a movie. (laughs) You know, like manga, or sorry, uh, anime, Mm -hmm. famously, doesn't really always have a definitive ending. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or or indeed, much of a story, often. Oh, I disagree. I love anime. (laughs) Uh, But yes. I mean, it's a a, a massive genre, obviously. For sure. So, to my rating on this one, this this is a tough one, because... All so far, the movies that we have talked about outside of Step, I feel like are very specific. Most people, if they see this in the SIF guidebook, are not going to touch it. I mean, even the image that you see is is pretty intense, and so most people are going to avoid it. And then if you see the preview, you're definitely not going to go. Exactly. So I think the people who are going to go and see this are going to like it. Uh, my official rating, I, I will give it a good... But it is on on the border of bad only because it was so crazy and so out there. And it almost led to another sequel that who knows if we will even see. So it still felt like you're getting pieces and maybe not the whole context. Mm-hmm. So, but it, it wasn't good. Just it was close to the border of, of good and bad. Gotcha. So 
Uh, so yeah, that was our Sif uh, selection so far. Uh, yeah, we talked about Step. We talked about Bad Black. Uh, Andy, what movie what was that? <laughs> the Blooms of Yesterday or Die Blumen von Gestern. Yeah, that one. Uh, and then we talked about Meatball Machine. Kodoku Sif, again, is still going for a while. So I recommend people go and check out everything. Check out Sif.net for all of the trailers and the schedule. Uh, Dr. Andy, you're going to be departing us on this episode because you have other places to do it's sunny out there. Come on. to go. Or you can stay around and hear us talk about Pirates of the Caribbean, oh, Dead Man's Tale, you. and Baywatch. <laughs> Not really. Right. Enticing, no? No. So thank you, Dr. Andy, for, for your input all right, for the Sith you. selections. Right, I'll see you next time. All right. Now that Dr. Andy has left the building, uh, it is just this guy named Steve and I. Hello. Um... One other thing with Meatball Machine Kodoku <laughs> that I forgot to mention, the aliens uh, are the ones that uh, supply the Technoborgs. It just, yeah. Yeah, there are aliens ah, in, this, aliens. in this also. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, I forgot to mention that. Okay. I, I felt like I should. Okay, so now that we are done with the Seattle International Film Festival movies, the super independent Movies that, you know, you only get a chance to see every now and then. Super movie. On to two movies that are the complete opposite. First of which is going to be Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Men Tell No Tales. And then we will segue that into Baywatch. Both of which are in every theater right now. Uh-huh. So, Steve, Pirates of the Caribbean, what is your history with this franchise that dates back to 2003 with Curse of the Black Pearl? Has it been that long? Unfortunately. years. Yeah. The first one, mm-hmm. I really liked. Mm-hmm. Lots of uh, pirate tropes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, yeah. and I think that, in a way, kicked off a bit of a pirate, um, what do you call it? Uh, Resurgence? or, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. The nerd geek community embraced pirates, I think, after... That first movie came out. Yeah. And there became uh, this, you know, this reinvigorated battle. And I should ask you this before we get into the episode. Pirates versus ninjas. There is a right answer. Go. Ninjas. Thank you. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. For the sheer fact that ninjas can look like pirates, pirates cannot look like ninjas. Case closed. Over. Fantastic. So, yeah, the first one. (laughs) Uh, Johnny Depp. this this was sort of a turn for Johnny Depp. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was an interesting, respected actor before this one. I mean, he yeah. he, as actors age, mm-hmm. sometimes they get a little lazier. I suppose. I'm thinking of Robert De Niro, Ben Kingsley. Yeah, <laughs> they um they don't have anything to prove necessarily, and they Samuel L. Jackson, Anthony yeah, Hopkins, where they take. Every role given to them. Because they can. And some lean heavily on tricks that have worked before. Mm -hmm. Uh, But anyway, uh, it was entertaining, the first one. And then the second one uh, had amazing effects. I really liked the mermen, the guys that had the shark's heads. And uh, Davy Jones had the uh, The tentacles, the the octopus I thought that looked amazing. And uh, I remember liking the second one. The third one, I remember distinctly watching at home. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it was on Blu-ray. And about halfway through, I just stopped. <laughs> just and not fell asleep. Just not, stopped. Not fell asleep. I said, I, I, I'm not into this. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. 
And, you know, the most insulting thing is indifference. You know, the mm-hmm. opposite of love is not hate. It's indifference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, agreed. And Look I just how didn't deep that, care wow. anymore. Yeah, it's really. Uh, and so because of that, and I know I know a lot of people had that same reaction to number three. A lot of people say the movie was too long. I don't usually like to say movies are too long. I like to say they're poorly paced because a movie mm. can be long and good as long For as sure. it's packed with, you know, all the way through and keeps, Lord of the you, Rings. keeps you pulled through. Yeah. Um, but it was too long for the way they presented it. So on, because of that, I never saw number four mm-hmm. and then, uh, I saw number five going into number five. My expectations were at, uh, rock bottom. Uh-huh. Uh, and I said, you know, if this is just a entertaining action film and I'm not annoyed by Johnny Depp, um, doing his character, mm-hmm. uh, I'll be happy. Um, so expectations were low mm-hmm. and, uh, yeah. So that was, that was all I went into it with. I should also say as a kid, I never went to Disneyland. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the first time I went to Disneyland, I was 34 or something like that. Okay. And, uh, had a great time, but Pirates of the Car- Caribbean was not my favorite ride. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's, it's essentially, you know, there's no drop at the end. It's basically, oh. uh, a dark, a winding ride. way. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, they call it a dark ride because you're inside and you're in a cart or in this case a raft and i think it was made to highlight the animatronics that they were really working on back from in the 1964 day. yeah and they didn't they don't really hold up even mm-hmm. though they inserted a animatronic johnny depp into three different sections oh, really? of it yeah they've updated it huh. but it still is probably the least thrilling least impressive ride at disneyland interesting but, uh okay so my history with this franchise, first one came out, it was unique. It was totally different. It was this huge spectacle from Disney. Uh, me, what is crazy that some people find surprising to this day, I can recite almost every Disney song. I can backwards, forwards, never been to Disneyland, not really that interested in going to Disneyland, oddly enough. You should go. There, there are parts of it that I like Potter World. I really want to see. Okay. That's not at Disneyland, but is that not? That's no. at Universal Studios. Okay. Then, okay. Let me rephrase then. Universal Studios, I would much rather go to than Disneyland. As much as I love Disney, everything Disney, I just, I've never gone. It was never something you did as a family. I probably will go at some point. It just, I never really felt that pull to stand in line for two hours each time you want to go. And I know you can do Fast Pass and I have friends who go every year as adults so go on a monday or a tuesday in the off season oh okay and the right the lines are not as bad you know in a shoulder season so i'm talking about april may or september october hmm. where it's still nice but right yeah okay. uh i think in spite of yourself you would find so much detail and just pure joy oh and, i'm sure yeah you would really you would really like, like i i'm sure if when if and when i go I will love it. It will be the most magical place on earth. <laughs> it just it was not something that I, I felt compelled sure, sure. to go to. Yeah. But so when this came out, uh, it was great. It was it was really, really cool. It was well done. It was a big budget Disney movie. Uh, this was around the same time when I was doing Rocky Horror Picture Show. I was in a cast for that. So there was a group of us who used to go see pirates almost every week and do callback lines. Sometimes we were the only ones in the theater. This was back when there was a dollar theater when you could see it on a Wednesday. Mm-hmm. So we would go and do that. And it was fun. Like it was a group of people 
seeing it over and over and over again. Were you dressed as a pirate? No, because ninjas are way better than pirates. And um, we had pirates in our viewing. Yeah, we did. We had, we had the Seafair Pirates, uh, which is this local Seafair parade. Uh, they're very well-known. Um, Fans of puns. They're very punny. By yeah. the way, John, uh, do you happen to know oh, what is go. a pirate's favorite letter? R. You'd think it'd be R, but it's actually C. Uh, terrible. <laughs> Penalty box. Um, so... Yeah, I really liked the first one. I saw it a bunch of times. Second one came out. I was really excited for it. And it was still really solid. Three and four, I never saw. And even more so, at this screening that we saw for Pirates of the Caribbean Dead Man Tell No Tales, before the screening, uh, sitting with some friends and other members of uh, the Seattle Film Critics Society, like Matt from Silver Screen Riot, Mike from Should I See It, Tim Hall, of course, People's Critic, we're all talking about the film and we we're like, wait, what happened in three and four? Yeah. And they were like, was it this or, or this? No, that was number two. None of us could figure out what three and four were. And we couldn't figure out the order of the subtitles either. No. And it just it's like, it's like trying to name all seven dwarves, you know, <laughs> it was just, it was ridiculous. And when you pull up the poster, which sometimes in a movie series, you can look at the poster and be like, oh yeah, it was this one. Again, perfect example, Lord of the Rings. You look at Fellowship, Two Towers, Return of the King. You get an idea of what is happening. Right. All of these posters look exactly the same. True, true. And the first three were done by Gore Verbinski, so like everything looked and felt the same. Yeah. So it is that, to me, is a failure of a movie series franchise when you're trying to remember what happened in the ones leading up to it. Yeah. And you cannot remember. Yeah. Well, I think on this one, they must have wanted to respond to some of that. Because they got a new director, mm-hmm. a pair of directors, pair of directors yeah. who had done Contiki. Have you seen Contiki? No, they also did Banditas. I don't know. Banditas, one. which was terrible. Catherine Zeta Jones, Penelope Cruz, uh-huh. uh, two absolutely gorgeous women uh-huh. in a movie that was painfully and utterly horrific. <laughs> okay. Uh, and they got, they got new everybody pretty much, except for Jerry Bruckheimer. <laughs> as oh, okay. the well. as the um, producer, but uh, the music is by a different person. The cinematography is by a different person. And it was Selma Hayek, not Catherine Zeta Jones. Selma Hayek and Penelope Cruz and Banditas. Right. Go ahead. <laughs> so uh, where are we at? We're talking about so the they got the new new yeah, production n- team. Yeah. Um, I, I think they're trying to rebirth the franchise. I mean, this is the fifth one. I don't know how long they're going to go with geez. it. How long Johnny Depp wants to continue being. Uh, that being said, Johnny Depp is Captain Jack Sparrow. Like he tried, like again, maybe one of those true Hollywood stories, whatever. It is said that he kind of travels around with that costume ah. because of how often he shows up at children's hospitals at Disney. Like he loves being Captain Jack Sparrow. Good for him. But as a moviegoer, five of these and potentially two more is what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. Really? Like, <laughs> like what, yeah. what character in a movie, in a movie franchise, can you, can you not get enough of? Can you, you can just look at it and be like, cool. Another one of these guys doing this thing. Mm-hmm. Rarely does that happen. John Wick is a perfect modern example for me. Uh-huh. I want to see Keanu Reeves as John Wick five more times. 
Well, James Bond has had a lot of them. But different people playing James Bond. Uh-huh. Captain Jack, there is only going to be one Captain Jack Sparrow. Uh, how about Hugh Jackman as Wolverine? Perfect. Yeah. You want to see more of him? Well, even though he's quitting, but if you could, would you see more absolutely. Wolverine appearances? Yeah. So uh, this one how about like, Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man? He's apparently in every I, Marvel I give, movie now. I give it a couple more. Um, I mean, on his contract, like they want him to be in everything, but yeah. I think he is starting to kind of phase out. Yeah. But yeah. Johnny Depp loves being Captain Jack Sparrow. Mm-hmm. So much so that his style of acting like that has bled into other roles. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory has a little bit of Jack Sparrow in it. Mm-hmm. And I actually liked that movie except for Johnny Depp as that character. I liked everything else about it, but it was he was so creepy and so yeah, that I just uh, didn't like that. And, uh, oh, uh, Alice in Wonderland, which I never saw any of those oh, Alice in Wonderland so movies. Bad. But from what I understand, the Mad Hatter is kind of that character, right? Yeah, and terrible. Okay. Um, the latest Alice Wonderland. You can go back in the episodes and listen to it. It was it was an awful, awful movie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but with this one, again, when you go to like the IMDb descriptions of movies, in my opinion, this is just my opinion. The shorter the description, the less effort they care, or like the less they care about what people think because they know they're going to make a bunch of money. Uh huh. This is one line. It says, "Captain Jack Sparrow searches for the Trident of Poseidon." Yeah. That is it. There yeah. is so much else that goes on in this movie. True. But they know. They do not care what they put there. They know they're going to make a bajillion dollars. Yeah. And as of recording, so it opened this weekend. Uh, as of recording, the movie cost, and I know you're not a big you know, box office guy, which I understand. This movie cost $230 million to make. Mm-hmm. Domestically, as of recording, it has made about $63 million. Globally... 270 million yeah like they just these movies this is why they keep making them uh it is a cash cow they will keep making money uh they started partnering with you know different foreign companies to really expand their reach yeah i yeah but i think the premise you're approaching is that because it's a cash cow they went into it with minor effort i don't think that's true on this movie (sighs) i think they expended a lot of time and effort and money to make it look good and oh, it looked be good. Yeah. yeah and be an a thrilling action adventure it looks good i will give it that that said it looks the same as all of the other ones but slightly more polished because they have slightly more money the technology you know has stepped up a little bit apparently people want more of it <laughs> yeah yeah and and they will yeah um but the general storyline Outside of that one line description uh, is you have Javier Bardem making his debut in this franchise uh, as Captain Salazar. Uh, We get a Captain Jack origin story for the first time, five movies in, which was which is decent. Uh, I kind of liked what they did there. They did some de-aging with CGI, which is still it, it gets better every time, but it didn't bother me. Yeah, it, it is still very noticeable, uh-huh. but it, it gets better. Yeah. Um, it still, it looks good, like, straight on. When someone starts moving is where it starts to get a little fuzzy. Yeah. Let's back up to the very, very first <laughs> scene of this movie. Okay. Sit in your seat. Mm-hmm. Smell yep. of popcorn. Uh-huh. Lights come down. Yep. Curtain opens. Mm-hmm. They don't have curtains no, anymore. No, curtains don't open anymore. <laughs> Smash cut to a child on a boat 
mm-hmm. who has a rock tied around his ankle and drops it off into the water. Mm-hmm. This is a Disney movie for children. Kids, don't try that at home. No, no. <laughs> and, like going with that scene, what was funny is that same group of people before the movie, when we were all sitting down talking about the film, yeah. <clears throat> we looked to each other and I was like, all right. We were taking bets, basically. We were like, is it going to open with a flashback? Okay, yeah, it is. Who is going to be the flashback? Blah, blah, this person. Okay, this person. We basically mapped out most of this movie. Now, you said it was going to start with Jack Sparrow swinging on something. Which oh, it that, did not. No, that was actually Tim. Uh, Tim suggested oh, okay. that he would be swinging something within the first five minutes. Yeah. So, but you, you can kind of. Well, what do you want him to do? You want him to break the mold? You want it to be an art house movie or, you know, turn into a, a love story or. Well, you know, this, they're this not going to love story. Yeah. Well, what I'm saying is it's you know what you're going into it for right yeah. i mean it's it's an action movie about pirates and mm-hmm. they're gonna bring the action and uh you're criticizing them for breaking the mold for not breaking the mold for giving you the same thing again but uh you know that's that's i think what they were going for yeah. specifically with the action though that was something that in the first two one thing that i really really enjoy are sword fights it is something that I just I have had a passion for for a long time. Some of the best that we have ever seen on screen, things like Princess Bride, come to mind. Um, the first two Pirates movies have some of the best mm. rapier style sword fighting mm-hmm. in film. Like the in the first one, when Orlando Bloom, Cap Jack are in the the mill, I think it is mm-hmm. when they're like going like that is fantastic yeah. sword fighting choreography. Uh, some of the best ever is Danny Kay in The Court Jester. I highly recommend people go on YouTube and check that out. Um, in this movie, they got rid of that almost completely. Yeah, and I that would was like part to of see the, a sword fight. Yeah, that was part of the pirate franchise that I looked forward to every time when you talk about expectations. And this had barely any of it. And when it did, it was just clunky. It was way too close. What, Pan- the fight scenes? The fight scenes, yeah. As far as the sword fighting. Oh. The sword fighting choreography was almost non-existent uh-huh. in this film and that to me was a huge letdown uh-huh uh-huh so we yeah should, we well, should talk about the new people in, right. in the movie well the child you see at the beginning you're right it is a flashback mm-hmm. to uh one of the two main characters whose names i have here <laughs> brenton thwaites is the new orlando bloom <laughs> right for lack of a better word and kaya scordelario is uh <laughs> perfect nailed it <laughs> Is um, the lady who loves science. Mm-hmm. Now, it just... <laughs> I'm going to hear Mary Sue, I know. But, I mean, she was not a uh, superwoman. I mean, mm-hmm. she was uh, trying to action her way through this movie. Mm-hmm. And, uh, no, but I thought she was a good actress. And I thought she uh, did a good job in the role that she had to do, which was to find the trident. And the trident mm-hmm. is what breaks all the curses. Why do we want to break the curse? Because Brenton Thwaites, should we just say who he is? No, or no? no okay. we, we should Well, he has a curse he wants to break. Let's mm-hmm. say that. And uh, so the whole mission of the movie is to find this trident. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they need Captain Jack Sparrow to do that because he has a MacGuffin that they the, need yeah, to the use to. Oh, man. Yeah. And uh, Sa- Captain Salazar, played by Javier Bardem, has a um, beef with Captain Jack Sparrow mm-hmm. because he led him into the Devil's Triangle. I think it's tempting to say, well, it's just a bunch of plot non- nonsense, but I wouldn't say that. I'd say that. It definitely has a 
direction that it's going mm-hmm. and it has characters that get set on that path that have definable characteristics and um it doesn't get way up its own bleep <laughs> the way that movie number three did and i'm assuming number four did it mm-hmm. got so deep into the lore and so many different characters that it lost its way so i think this one this one truly did bring it back to being a straightforward pirate action movie um, that makes sense and was enjoyable for me personally. The straightforward pirate action movie, and yet every movie turns out to be Captain Jack messed up somebody's life X amount of years ago, and now they want revenge. I'm glad you brought that up, because what I realized watching this movie is, A, yes, Johnny Depp does play this character a lot, mm-hmm. but he's also really good at it. I found him delightful. and. Yeah. I realize that he's also kind of a Bugs Bunny character. <laughs> I mm. mean, there is danger happening to him, mm-hmm. and he doesn't give a crap yeah. crap at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he is in mortal danger, and he's still cracking quips, and he's sliding down the street on the back of a horse cart, and he's drinking at the same time, and mm-hmm. uh, he's he's a cartoon character, and he he just doesn't care. <laughs> Not not yeah. Johnny Depp playing this character. Captain Jack Sparrow right. doesn't... I mean, he's drunk, and he just is not aware of anything at all times. And that's kind of enjoyable to watch. It's sort of a Mr. Magoo character. Do you remember Mr. I was Magoo? Say, Mr. Mr. Magoo he, would be more, yeah. more appropriate than Bugs Bunny, because Bugs Bunny was fully aware. Blindly I think, for walking forward, and mm-hmm. everything seems to work out. And, uh, yeah, that's that See, was my revelation of Johnny Depp as... Yeah, and, and I can agree with that. Um, as far as the, the new cast... Uh, you know, like you said, Brendan Thwaites and Kaya Scodelario, which is how you pronounce that. Duh. Um, they have, so that is kind of the new, I want to say forced love interest, mainly because they're the only two new characters. They're both the same age, both young. They had zero chemistry. Like I did not believe for a second <laughs> that they actually were interested in each other. Yeah. It was just very ham fisted. Um, you know, he was the genius young kid, young boy who knows everything about the sea and knows all the myth. She is the genius young girl who knows all about the science and wherever the two shall meet. It's like a Mulder Skelly relationship. Kind of. <laughs> yeah. Except Mulder and Skelly actually had a convincing relationship. All right. Uh, that developed over time. Yeah. So with this one, it was just that was kind of. I think odd. that's easy to forgive, honestly, the fact that they didn't have a whole lot of chemistry. But yeah, go on. Yeah. If you. If you want your pirates fill, th- this this will do that. Um, but at the same time, to me, the only new thing that this did that I actually really enjoyed, that I thought was really clever, were like the zombie sharks. Mm-hmm. I think you see a scene of them in one of the trailers. It is on the po- one of the posters. Yeah, that was kind of interesting. That was new. That was different. You see them for like five minutes, and then they completely disappear, and yeah. you never see them again. Uh, that was new and different nothing else was uh to me it just it it felt like the first one it felt like the second one which if that is what you're going in for go for it mm-hmm. me wanting something a little bit different a little bit more i just I, I might as well just watch the first two uh-huh to get that kind of same pirate fix so basically this is just this is more of the same this is it feels the same it looks the same that is yeah it is consistent in that regard where you look at another franchise like fast and the furious or wolverine or something 
every film looks different and every director kind of takes in a different direction, mm-hmm. which can be great at times. It sometimes cannot work. Mm-hmm. This one, I will give it credit for every movie looks, sounds, smells, tastes like it is the same. Yeah. Even with a different visual director, visual style, visual, you know, visual, different visual language that I cannot speak. It is consistent. And yeah. so, so I, I like that. But I just, yeah, it was more of the same. Yeah. Well, understanding that I went in with low expectations. Mm-hmm, same with me. <laughs> uh, my only hope was that they would bring it back to the magic of the first and second one, which it seems like you agree mm-hmm. that some yeah. of those were the first one or were the best ones. Mm-hmm. And uh, I feel like the new uh, directors and cinematographers did bring it back. And I was pleasantly surprised by Johnny Depp being Jack Sparrow and being charming and funny at times. Uh, despite being completely uh, uncaring about everything. Yeah. yeah. Um, so Jeffrey, I feel like, yeah, go ahead. Jeffrey Rush is a standout for me. Yeah, he feels like a films. pirate. Like Jeffrey Rush. <laughs> He's perfect pirate. He is way more convincing yeah. than Johnny Depp. Again, because of that, like the Mr. Magoo type of thing with Johnny Depp. Jeffrey Rush's character. Yeah. He gets, he understands danger right? and the way that he acts, the way that his motivations are just much more believable. Yeah. And Jeffrey Rush is a fantastic actor. Yeah. So, you know, that, that was fine. I, I liked his portrayal. Um, we did talk about the directors. We forgot to name them. Joachim Roning and Espen Sandberg. Yeah. This Norwegian directing uh, duo. Mm-hmm. The story of the Contiki is pretty interesting. You should check that one yeah, out. Yeah, that one that sounds interesting. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Has to be better than Banditas. Yeah. Even though Selma Hayek and Penelope Cruz just watch that movie on mute uh-huh. and it could be a somewhat enjoyable movie. Yeah. They were uh, trying to show that you could cross the Pacific on a raft. Interesting. They were trying to show, or was it the Atlantic? One of the two. But they were trying to show that <laughs> says the it man, was possible. Says the man who lives his <laughs> life at sea. Wow. Yeah. Uh, okay. So. I think that was about all my notes for Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Men Tell No Tales. Yeah. Um, Javier Bardem also was fantastic. It's I think. amazing what CGI they can do with water now. Yeah. It looks unbelievable. I mean, that's got to be difficult. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so, good, bad, or ugly. Steve, what is your rating for Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Men Tell No Tales? It was good. It's summer. It's hot outside. Go in and watch a Pirates movie. Come on. Okay. Uh, for me, uh, to summarize, this movie is just like the Ghost Pirates. It is hollow and lifeless. Uh, I give this movie an ugly. I give it a complete skip. There is no reason for this movie to be made other than Disney is going to make a bajillion dollars. Mm-hmm. It looks great. The technology has stepped up every time. The CGI looks good. The different type of ghost pirates you see in this one look way better than the skeletons and things in the first one and two. But it was just, yeah, it was just lifeless. Like, I was watching it, not really caring, not really believing the love story, wanting to get swept away in the action, but dumb stuff kept happening. Where I was just like, okay. Like, what dumb stuff? Dur- I mean, again, like, the Mr. Magoo stuff, I can get behind most of the time. But we have now seen five movies, or some people have seen five movies of this. I have only seen three now. That It gets a little bit tired. You're cynical about a franchise that you've only seen two of prior to this movie. <laughs> yeah. Two that were really good. Okay. Um, I so, was yeah. swept away by the action. I genuinely laughed a couple times. 
inspired. I didn't expect to. I thought I thought, oh, he's just gonna hack his way through this role. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was pleasantly surprised at at uh, how interesting a character he actually is. And uh, I thought some of the action scenes were pretty creative, like the execution scene. I did not see coming at all. And yeah. even after he gets out of the execution, uh, there's kind of a cool fight scene where he uses the stuff that's still attached to him and stuff. That's what I'm always yeah. looking for is like, do something a little bit different. And the big set piece at the end where they're trying to get out, you know, get out with the trident, which did that not was make really any logistical sense. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's just, <laughs> it's visually awesome. And it, it swept me away and I was pleasantly surprised. So. Yeah. All right. It's always risky as a critic, and I'm not like critic with a capital C, Mm -hmm. but, you know, to uh, embrace a movie that is popularly going to be successful. You know what I mean? One that's a straightforward big franchise. You know, it's um, uh, you go, well, it's going to be terrible and Hollywood's just turning it out. But I was uh, I was happy with what I saw. Yeah. uh, The thing the other thing these movies always do well is the score. Uh, the score from the first two is very, very dramatic, um, very powerful. This one had notes of that, similar to like whenever they do Star Wars, you can use a little bit of John Williams score and tweak it. This one did the same thing, but hearing that original, I wanted to hear more of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so that was Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Men Tell No Tales, which uh, no spoiler, but stay for the stay through the credits. There is a post credit scene. Uh, that post-credit scene makes zero sense if what happened in the movie happened. Well, so. this comes from a person who has not seen number three and number four. And the ending post-credit sequence of this one, number five, mm-hmm. uh, clearly relates to three and four, right? I mean, there are... So, mm-hmm. so it didn't make sense to you because you mm-hmm. haven't seen the whole franchise. But anyway. Fair enough. Go ahead. So yeah, stay through the credits. There's a post-credit scene. Moving right along to a splasherific Baywatch now, this is where Steve with a capital C critic comes in and says, ah, this is Hollywood actually just trying to churn on, you know, an 80s, 90s franchise and make a bunch of money off of it. And mm-hmm. and make and, uh, in a past episode, mm-hmm. I said that this one was going to be DOA Extreme Beach Volleyball. John Baywatch, what happens in this movie and was it any good? So uh, for those of you who did not grow up in the 80s and 90s, especially adolescent young boys we have many memories of baywatch uh a lot of slow motion scenes sure uh this film or the show started in 1989 oh yeah Yeah, which is crazy but it only really picked up steam in 91 when it went to syndication and then it ran until like 99 Mm -hmm. so very very long storied (laughs) history of baywatch and in doing my research because again i'm a professional wow this movie, Baywatch 2017, is the fourth Baywatch movie. Get out of town. They made three direct-to-video well, direct uh, movies of the original series. They were entitled Baywatch the movie Forbidden Paradise. Right. Baywatch White Thunder at Glacier Bay. Classic. And Baywatch Hawaiian Wedding. Oscar. What? Like, I, <laughs> I barely remember uh-huh. the Hawaii season. Uh-huh. Uh, I had no idea they made three movies. And White Thunder at Glacier Bay. Uh-huh. I mean, that movie, that title sounds incredible. So this is the fourth technical, technically movie from the Baywatch franchise. The Rise of Pamela Anderson. 
yeah, uh, you did see the rise and the horrible fall from grace from Pamela Anderson during this time. Uh, Yasmin Bleeth also. David Hasselhoff, yeah. who, Knight Rider, was Knight famous. Rider. I mean, again, like, without him, this show would have been dead. Because uh-huh. after that first season, it got canceled. It took him going to the producers being like, all right, guys, how can we do this? So NBC had canceled it. Then he went to the producers, talked. I mean, when you come from Knight Rider fame in the 80s, mm-hmm. you have some pull. And so he went to them and was like, what else can we do? And they were like, we can try it for syndication. Yeah. So they pitched it to syndication, which basically means a little technical term. If a certain network does not want it, want to carry the load of it, you pitch it to everybody. So in some cities, NBC will carry it or some networks mm-hmm. or uh, some regions, other places, CBS. other. So just anybody who wanted to pick the show up would. And then it became a huge success because then NBC was not the only network with it. Take a guess how many seasons of Baywatch there are. I think in total there were 11. That is right. Each season containing 22 episodes. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. 200, over 220 episodes. Wow. It was a popular show. Yeah, and four movies. So I don't think I've ever seen an episode, honestly. Wait, what? Yeah, I don't think I ever sat down and watched an episode of Baywatch in my youth. How were you a young man in the 80s and 90s? Know. It just never was on my radar. Hmm. Wow. It was kind of like Doctor Who. I've never seen one Doctor well, Who episode. That's just, you were just foolish. Okay. Um, Baywatch was one of the shows where I would be watching it, but as soon as like any member of my family were to come into the room, I would immediately <laughs> switch it and be like, oh, 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 no, I'll watch something else. Uh-huh. Um, I never understood in the original show. This takes place, I think it was, was it LA? You have it pulled up. I know they went oh. to Hawaii. Mm, let's see because the new one takes place in miami well it's the beaches of los angeles county so okay there we go be santa monica be yeah that. so this one this one takes place in miami but in the original you know la whatever california beaches anytime they would dive underwater to go and rescue somebody those had their eyes open they could always see everything yeah that's salt water <laughs> right and even as a kid i was like how are they doing how are they how are we supposed to believe that they can swim down 15 feet and see clear as day right so but that willing suspension of disbelief was already high and then you would get a slow-mo scene of people running towards the camera right all was forgiven to a young man at Mm. the time (laughs) yes uh so yeah that was kind of the brief history of baywatch the show and the first three movies um this movie so steve unfortunately was just not able to go to this screening with me uh and you missed out question mark i doubt it um right off the bat what was interesting that they chose to do with this one there are way more jokes dealing with male anatomy and male sexuality than female is the joke that the original series was sort of homoerotic kind of but also it would be juxtaposed with pamela anderson or Yasmin Bleeth running towards the camera, bouncing and flouncing in slow motion. So, well, in, I know, but for the modern movie, are they making the joke that the original series no. was? That, that then is, why why have all the male anatomy stuff yeah, in there? Yeah, I do not under I do not know. Okay, um, but it was it was a choice, and it was not just one thing. There were multiple times where it was referenced, similar to like you know The Hangover or something like that, where it is just a bunch of dudes. Dude stuff. 
for Baywatch, it was an inter- it, that was one thing that was an interesting choice mm-hmm. that the director did. And Seth Gordon, who directed this, oddly enough, directed a great documentary that you and I, I think, have both seen, way different than Baywatch, which was King of Kong, A Fistful of Quarters. About the king, about King Kong, or the director of Baywatch, the director directed of Baywatch. King of Kong. Yeah, I did not know that. Yeah, so and that documentary is great. It is about yeah. Donkey Kong and the multitude of characters who tried to beat the high score. Right, and then why would they hire him to do this movie? I have no idea. Okay, maybe uh, he's got some chops. I don't know. I mean, he has done other stuff since then. Yeah, since King of Kong, because King of Kong. Let me pull it up real quick. That came out in two thousand seven. Uh huh. So he's done some episodes of Parks and Rec, Community, uh-huh. The Office, Modern Family, mm-hmm. uh, The Goldbergs is kind of his new project that he is really involved in. So, yeah. So okay. right off the bat, this movie hits you hard, ha, pun intended, with male anatomy jokes. Um, I was like, okay, I'm okay with that if they are funny and if they work. This one was just, these were just kind of weird. Okay. Um, the rough story. You, I mean, you don't really need a story. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Again, to summarize, starring dev- The Rock and Zac Efron. Zac Efron. Yep. Devoted lifeguard Mitch Buchanan butts heads with brash new recruit. Together, they uncover a local criminal plot that threatens the future of the bay. So, in one of the trailers, you see The Rock and Zac Efron talking to a police officer. They're like, "We were in lifeguard pursuit," uh, and the guy was like, "That's not a thing." Your lifeguards. You don't go on lifeguards. And he was like, he was like, but they were in our jurisdiction. He was like, you don't have a jurisdiction. <laughs> so they make fun of the original show in that way. Because if you watched any of the original Baywatch, stuff like that was always happening. Yeah. And then Baywatch Nights, I think. Then it was them like seriously solving crimes. Uh-huh. Like going after crime bosses. And I was like, you guys are lifeguards. Like stay in your lane. Like what are you doing? <laughs> See, I think I would find that part of it funny yeah. where they're sort of jabbing um, mm-hmm fun at the original series okay. yeah and it was very self-referential in multiple parts that was you know those parts were funny uh the rock the rock is amazing like this guy i mean he comes from wrestling royalty the transition that he has been able to make to one of the most profitable movie stars is nothing short of phenomenal how what do you chalk it up to charisma uh-huh charisma and dedication because he cares about acting he is not like a rest he is not a wrestler who is just doing it for the money you're doing like he loves yeah. acting and like he takes it seriously that i think is a big difference and charisma like you see him in a movie you know it's going to be a good time mm-hmm. so even in movies that are terrible like gi joe but like he really wants to be a movie star and he legitimately has become one yeah, i'm more, sure that's true and more so than any mother any and any other wrestler any mother, <laughs> any other wrestler. Uh-huh. So he is great. Zach Efron. He is one of those, those guys that I started to realize is actually pretty funny. Uh-huh. Like with neighbors, legitimately funny. Yeah. This one, I just, I, I do not really get it. He still feels a little coached. He's still like acting wise, acting wise. Okay. The rock you you believe what he is doing, even if it is something ridiculous. Something about Zac Efron's timing or, you know, something like that. It feels like they're saying, do it like this. And he is doing that. Uh, uh-huh. So a little bit different. Huh. Uh, other people in this film, Priyanka Chopra, who 
is gorgeous and she actually is is solid also uh-huh. um and i think she understands the movie she is in mm-hmm. so many people in this movie i do not think got the memo oh really wow. and they take it maybe not too seriously it just like it just does not really fit okay um but yeah and so there's this drug plot she owns a nightclub that is right by the beach okay there are some drugs that we never know what kind of drugs they are. Yeah. Um, so the new CJ, the new Pamela Anderson mm-hmm. is who? Uh, Kelly Rohrbach. She's like the lead. Yes. Uh, okay. Who falls for the the pudgy, uh, good good guy, you know, third time is a charm, ah. trying to get on the lifeguard squad. Yeah. Played by John Bass. Um, again, it was just, he was funny. Okay. Like John, John Bass was funny. Uh huh. Their chemistry actually was pretty good together, uh-huh. even though it was over the top, but it was Baywatch. Like this was one where I could go in, not really expecting anything. I just wanted to laugh. Yeah. And I did. Yeah. And some of the chemistry between the characters actually worked out really well. Um, Priyanka was great. Like with, with everybody, she kind of, again, she knew what she was in. She was able to play on that. Yeah. And it worked. Hannibal Burris is in this for uh, for a while. For a while, <laughs> hilarious. He gets eaten by a shark or something, right? Okay, yeah, <laughs> no, he kind of nailed it. Um, <laughs> I just guess, but he also just kind of disappears. It was weird. Okay, uh, Rob Rob Hubble or Hubel? Hubel. Uh huh. Again, like this movie is chocked full of funny people. Okay, in a dumb movie. Mm. And like I said on my social media recently. This movie is going to get compared to 21 Jump Street and 22 Jump Street, which is an unfair comparison because those were good movies. Yeah. They knew what they were. Channing Tatum, like, he is another guy who just, with pure charisma, <laughs> sells a movie. Mm-hmm. He knows what kind of movie he is in. In this movie, they the dramatic moments, the melodrama, was just pointless. It was just sort of like 21 and 22 Jump Street know what they were. They're ridiculous comedies. They rolled with, they went with it yeah. all in. This tried to be something more and tried to be serious and it just uh, fell. Yeah. Yeah. Did you ever see MacGruber? No. Oh, uh, okay. MacGruber is ba- pretty Based good. off of the SNL skit, which SNL has a rough history with turning their skits into movies. Right. But MacGruber, of course, is a spoof of MacGyver. MacGyver, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, you could say the MacGruber movie is a spoof of, you know, MacGyver mm-hmm. the TV show, and they successfully did it because you're right, it was over the top, it was yeah. silly, and they just went with how ridiculous it all was, and it was actually funny. Okay, I haven't seen Baywatch, so I can't I can't really speak to it, but uh, I get the sense that it was really cheap and easy. Um, for lack of a better term, la- locker room humor, like you said, yeah. talking about male anatomy and mm-hmm. maybe in farts or, you know, God knows what. But that's not really my type of humor. I, I don't think I'm going to see this movie even on a plane. But <laughs> I was thinking, like, some of those jokes are funny. Some of them do land. Yeah. Are there boob but jokes? Not really. And no was, boob jokes? Like, I mean, there, there, was, the, there was one Looks scene. like she's running in slow motion. Yeah. There's, and it is Alexander Daddario is poking something. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, at one point there's a funny scene between Zac Efron and Kelly Rohrbach where he is talking to her and she was like, uh, you're, you're looking at my boobs. And he was like, what? No, I wasn't. It's like, but that is about it. There are way more 
male anatomy jokes uh-huh. than that. But the opening scene of this movie, this kind of action set piece with the rock, he jumps in, saves somebody from the water, does all of that. When he comes out of the water, the Baywatch title screen like pops out of the water behind him. Four dolphins pop out of the water and like bump chests and go behind. I was like, okay, this is what the movie is going to be. They know what they are. Uh, okay. And then it just went left. Then I tried to be serious uh, without needing to. Hmm. But yeah, there's not enough spray tan in the world to save this movie. Hmm. Uh, yeah. So Alexandra Daddario. Mm-hmm. Does she have a big role, a little yeah, role? Yeah. Okay. She, she does. Is she good? Uh, I mean, is she a good actress? The only thing I really know her from is True Detective. Oh, she was in that? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, go on. <laughs> Let's move right along. Steve just started sweating <laughs> profusely. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, she she is good. I just, yeah. Um, my, my official rating for this, like, the, the 15 minutes or so of laughter, yeah, maybe 20 minutes throughout the movie, uh-huh. do not make up for it. Who is this movie for? Is it lovers of Baywatch? Is it no. uh, ironic hipsters I mean, now? That are no, I think it is just people who just want a fun summer movie. Yeah, but they failed. Yeah, because okay. it is not. Like 21 Jump Street and 22 Jump Street, like, those are fun movies because they get it. And this one, it just, they, yeah, I do not know why they wanted to, or tried to be something else, just make a comedy. Yeah. I'm not sure why the comedy genre these days is rarely just comedies. Like, there is drama. There. Like, just make a comedy. Mm-hmm. So, is there any through line between the character played by The Rock in Fast and Furious and the character played in... No. You know, it, it's just pure charisma in both. Yeah. And... Uh, yeah, is he convincing as an action star? Oh, I mean, that's, that's Rock doing action. Okay, Absolutely. Just, yeah, okay, yeah. The Rock. I mean, The Rock is a phenomenal action star. Yeah, he's a pretty damn good actor too. Yeah, yeah. Okay, but and and, he, like, and believable. Yeah, and I think that is the other tough part is when you have one person to lead who, like him, is charismatic, even in moments where it is a serious thing. The way he delivers his lines, like it is believable, and then you kind of counterpoint that with other people in the film, and it just. It just flops. Yeah. Hmm. So my official rating is, man, I I hate doing two uglies on the same episode. I'm not sure if I have ever done that, but this is an ugly, uh, (laughs) the the sad bell. Uh, it just, again, if you, if you want a dumb summer movie to go and see, don't see this one, (laughs) there will be other ones. (laughs) Uh, yeah. Every, every, every summer has a breakaway comedy hit that this is not gonna be it i just noticed uh tom lennon worked on the script uh from reno 911 oh. and he's done a million screenplays yeah and uh even has a book on writing screenplays that i hear is pretty good nice um ah oh, bummer yeah bummer man so just i mean and the zach efron yeah he looks great he looks in great shape stop trying to compete with the rock the rock stays mm. in shape the yeah. rock has looked the way he has looked for a long time and gotten better over years. Yeah. When people want to like, oh, I'm doing a movie with him. I got to look like him. Okay. You realize if unless you keep up the work regiment that he does. Yeah. That is not going to last. The Rock stays hungry, stays in the gym. Mm-hmm. So. Okay. Yeah. So that, that was an ugly. <laughs> I don't like to see any film fail. I want everyone to be a, you know, an adventure ride. But yeah. that's a bummer. Uh, and again, 
you do get a couple appearances of former cast members of the oh, original. Oh, yeah. Uh, you do have, those pay off? No. Do they um, pay off better or worse than Ghostbusters? <laughs> uh, oof. Yeah, I mean, remember Dan Aykroyd in the Much more the self-referential, ah, okay. which I get. Like, yeah. the, There's a scene where at one point you see David Hasselhoff's face on a keychain. Okay. And if that had been the moment, you're like, ah, got it. Cool. Yeah. There's another scene later on that just seems pointless. Huh. Uh, there's another scene with another star that seems pointless. It is kind of funny, but pointless. Okay. So there we go. That, are, they that was pay, are they playing their retired yes. selves? Uh, oh, one of them is retired. One of them is not. One of them has been heading up the Hawaii division. Oh, right, 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 right. Yeah. Okay. Got and it. She looks like the Crypt Keeper. Anyway. All right. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, that about wraps it up. We talked about a bunch of movies from SIF and had, had the pleasure of interviewing some of the cast, or actually the, uh, the main cast from Step and also their Step coach, Coach G. Thank you so much to all of them for taking the time and being on this episode with me. And then talked about Bad Black, which all of us gave a good. It is a... You will not see a film like this. Bad Black. So, super action. <laughs> uh, Andy talked about a German film that I'm not going to try and pronounce that he enjoyed. Meatball Machine... I talked about uh which is insane and then pirates steve gave a good i gave an ugly because it is lifeless and hollow um and then baywatch <laughs> and then baywatch i gave an ugly also yeah uh steve where can people find you on social medias you can find me on twitter at steve blog on instagram at stand inside and you can see all my fantastic videos at standinsidemedia.com Perfect. As for this podcast, I mentioned it at the top of the podcast, but you can find the podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at about to review. You can stream the episodes straight from the website about to review.com. Uh, review the episodes and the whole show on iTunes. That would be great. Stitcher, Blueberry, Podbay, Podbean, almost every pod catcher out there. Mm. The show is on. Mm-hmm. So definitely check it out of your podcast catcher of choice. It is free on all of them. Free 99. Whoa. I know. It's pretty crazy. What a world we live in. All uh, this free entertainment. <laughs> I mean, it really is amazing. I look at my podcasts mm-hmm. and I mean, th- they have given me so much joy and information mm-hmm. and um, distraction while I'm vacuuming, you know? <laughs> yeah. 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 It, it is an amazing medium. Uh, on the next episode. The movie that I'm really excited about that comes out next week, the week to see Wonder Woman comes yes. out next week. Please be good. So I, man, I have hope. Yeah. I, I hope that, yeah, it it just needs to be a good movie. I'm not looking for it to be the best movie ever. I just need it to be good so that my faith in DC mm-hmm. is not even reignited, is ignited. Mm-hmm. So that will be next week's episode. You have been listening to the About Review podcast. Uh, as always, I have been your host, that guy named John. And this is this guy named Steve. And we will see you next time. This has been an About to Review production. Thank you to Vexing Media, who provides audio editing services. They are a graphic design, website design, and digital media company. You can find them at their website, vexingmedia.com, or on Facebook and Twitter at Vexing Media.